Good morning, everybody. (laughs) It's really lovely to see all of you here this morning, every single one of you. Um, It's a new month, and we've got a new set of um, things to explore together as a congregation, as a community. September, we were thinking about what distinguishes us as a community here at All Saints in Weston. And we thought about as a community, we're in Christ, we're a community of faith, we're a community on a mission, and we should be characterized by a spirit of generosity. And now, as we move into October, we're thinking about our culture being a culture of hope. A culture of hope. And that's something that we hope and pray every single one of us will know within us to have a living hope inside of us. But if we're generating a culture of hope, we also believe and trust that we will impact the cultures in which we live and work and that they too will be places of hope. And I suppose if you don't have a culture of hope, then you're left with a culture of despair. At the next service, we're going to be thinking also um, on this theme. And I met with two of the mums who are involved in the next service. And I said to them, what do your children despair about? What makes them worry And perhaps unsurprisingly, one of them said friendships at school, being the odd one out, being left alone. But the other went on to say that her children despair about climate change. They despair about politics. Some suffer with mental health issues. Others have disturbed sleep. We could understand that with adults, couldn't we, having disturbed sleep, worrying about the politics and the climate. But these are little children who are growing up despairing and worrying about the wider world. I found that very sad. And you'll know for yourself what causes you to despair. Maybe it's turning on the telly and seeing another example of man's inhumanity to man. Or woman. Perhaps within yourself, it's just being unable to overcome those temptations that come back again and again. Perhaps it's a lack of energy that causes you to despair. Maybe it's overwhelming worries. Different things will cause each of us to despair. But God doesn't want us to be bowed down with a life of despair. He doesn't want that. All through the Bible, we are offered hope. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about hope being like an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Yes, hard things are going to happen in life. Life is difficult. Climate change is happening. Politics are frustrating. We do get sick and we do feel low. But what is it that we're going to hold on to to give us that hope? How do we live a life of hope? 
what gives us grounds for hope. And we're going to look at that in the weeks to come. And today I've got the joy of looking at Psalm 23 with you for the first answer. And the title we've been given is Not Alone. Our first ground for hope is that we are not alone. I've loved looking at this psalm recently. And uh, many of you will remember when I've talked about our recent trip to Lourdes with a group of um, people with diverse needs, some profoundly disabled, of different ages. We had an amazing time. And each day we looked at a different verse of Psalm 23 And it's been a real joy, again, to be looking at this. And every time you look at this familiar psalm, you see something new in it, don't you? I'm hoping at the end of the service, you'll be able to stay around for a coffee. And we've got some of our photos from the holiday that will be playing on the screen behind me. So do stay and look at those if you can. I was tempted to rename this talk. Chocolate isn't the answer, but sometimes it helps. And you're going to have to stick with me and concentrate for the next few minutes to find out why. Chocolate isn't the answer, but sometimes it helps. Okay, so Psalm 23. When I approached it for today, I just wanted to think, I like to think that David had got to the position of being king and he was sitting down and thinking back on his life remembering back to those days when he was young and he looked after his father's sheep and how in the same way that he bravely and tenderly cared for those sheep, God too had been like a shepherd, bravely and tenderly caring for him. At the next service, this is a spoiler for those of you who might be sticking around for the second service, we're going to kind of recreate the landscape of the Holy Land here at the front of church. We're going to have um, uh, green meadows at the front here, a little babbling stream. Um, We're going to have crossroads. We're going to have a shady, scary valley, a throne, a table set with a banquet. And I'm hoping that the children, as I hope for all of us today, will remember that as for David... There were times when he felt tired, times when he felt thirsty, times when he spiritually felt drained. And in those times, like a sheep by still waters, God refreshed him. At other times, when he had decisions to make, when he had to choose between the right and the wrong decision, God helped him choose the right path. In those times when he felt that his life was at threat when he was scared in that valley. He knew God's presence and God's protection with him. The little bit about having his head anointed with oil, we could interpret in all sorts of ways, but I like to think that he was thinking back to that time when Samuel found him. He'd been out looking after the sheep, perhaps feeling forgotten. Something else was going on back home with the rest of his brothers. And yet he was called in and anointed as king, given a special role, a special purpose, and sealed with the spirit as well as oil. And then that banquet feast and the presence of his enemies. There were times when David was on the run, again in fear of his life, and the kindness of strangers, the kindness of other people, refreshed 
and helped him to continue. And that's why he could look back over his life, seeing all those times that God was with him. He was never alone, that he could trust God and know that into the future, surely goodness and mercy would follow him all the days of his life. And we have that same promise of God's presence in every circumstance of life. He promises to never leave us. Not everyone's presence is reassuring. I was thinking back to that 70s sitcom, Some Mothers Do Have Them. And I was thinking of Frank Spencer, that unfortunate character who got into all sorts of scrapes and... um, calling to his wife, oh, Betty, I'm never going to leave you, and her little face despairing, thinking, that's no reassurance, Frank. Um, (laughs) God's presence is the complete opposite to having Frank Spencer with us. He he is there with us, wanting us not to fear, not to worry. These are some words from Isaiah. He says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. A few weeks ago, at the beginning of September, um, as a group, we were thinking about um, us being challenged not to worry. And I read a little paragraph then that I know quite a few of you felt touched by. And I'm just going to read it again because it fits with what we're thinking about just now. Our choices become a daily discipline to let go of things and trust in the trustworthy one. We are to be led by the one who will lead us into the place of his provision, the place of his protection, the place of his power and the place of his care. This is where we will find peace. Our circumstances may or may not change, but God will never abandon us. He is always present. Even if you don't see him or feel him, he has set a table for you. You just have to decide if you'll sit down and have intimacy with him. This is not only where our trust is found secure, but where our shepherd has a place of rest for us. We are not alone. The idea of God being a shepherd of his sheep is one that runs throughout the whole Bible. And a little bit later in the Old Testament, Ezekiel talks about the bad shepherds who are like the religious leaders of the time and how God says he would become the shepherd of his people. He says this, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So I will look after my sheep. And he goes on, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. And Jesus in the Old Testament said, I am the good shepherd. 
But something very interesting happens in the next paragraph in this uh, part of Ezekiel. It's chapter 34. He says this. As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another and between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink with what you have muddied with your feet? The danger with Psalm 23 is that we just feel very cosy and rightly so in our relationship with God. The Lord is my shepherd. But sheep do not come on their own generally. Sheep come as part of a flock, don't they? Where I work out in Englishcombe, I'm on the side of a hill and on the other side of the valley there's a very cute little farmhouse that I must admit I covet. And in front of the farmhouse is a field that is usually full of sheep. And they're dotted around all over the field. And I take that to mean that they feel happy and secure. But if you've ever been out walking and a dog has got loose, the sheep don't tend to really scatter in all directions. They, they all group together in a flock, don't they? And sometimes you'll get the ones at the front bravely stamping their feet to try and ward off um, the dog or a person who's coming nearby. And I think sheep sometimes get a hard press. And actually, maybe we should be more like those sheep that under threat, we gather together and we take care of each other. We're not there just for ourselves. We're there for one another. We can enjoy this culture of hope by knowing that we are not alone, that God is always with us. But we actually cultivate a culture of hope around us by serving and loving one another in the same way that the Good Shepherd has served and loved us. And we're about to celebrate communion together and we know the great sacrifice that he showed us in dying for us. That is what should characterize our life in the flock, that we give hope to one another and hope to the community around us. Just as I finish, I want to read something else. This is something Mother Teresa said. The greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more who are dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It is not only a poverty of loneliness, but also of spirituality. There is a hunger for love as there is a hunger for God. Mother Teresa died more than 20 years ago and you might think that by now we've sorted ourselves out and we've um, stopped people from feeling isolated. 
But sadly, that's not true, is it? You might have seen in the press that just in the last few weeks, Cadbury's, we're getting to the chocolate, (laughs) Cadbury's, the chocolate manufacturer, have um, teamed up with Age UK and um, they've launched a campaign to fight against isolation. They've identified that in this country, over two and a half million people who are over 65 see three people or less a week. Nearly a quarter of a million older people go a whole week without speaking to anyone. Feeling lonely is an unpleasant feeling, but actually being isolated, we know from listening to the news on the radio, makes us vulnerable to abuse and coercion and all sorts of other things. It is a killer. And as we enjoy knowing that we are not alone, God is always with us. We can trust him in every circumstance of life. If we want to generate a culture of hope here in our community, in this building, in our community where we live and work, we need to make a meaningful difference. Chocolate isn't the answer. Jesus, the good shepherd, is the answer. But sometimes chocolate can help. You could buy a bar of their special (laughs) limited edition chocolate bar and some of the money goes to AGK. You could buy a chocolate bar for someone who you know is going through a tough time. But I think the chocolate represents us investing our time and energy in one another, ensuring that we are not letting one another become isolated, but knowing that everyone can know that we are not alone. I'm just going to finish with a prayer. Would you like to just close your eyes if that's helpful? First, we're going to pray for ourselves and then we will pray for others. I'd like you to try and imagine that scene of Psalm 23. Where would you like to put yourself? Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling emotionally and spiritually tired? Put yourself by the streams of living water. Are you at a crossroads in life and you need to make a decision? Put yourself there on the path and assert your trust in the Good Shepherd to lead you. Are you feeling fearful and afraid? His presence is with you and his protection too. Are you feeling overlooked and that you have no purpose? Sit yourself on that throne and know his anointing that he has given you unique gifts which he can use to bless others and his spirit will be given to you to help you to do that. And think of that banquet table and the kindness of others. Perhaps learn to open your hands to receive the goodness and kindness from other people. 
And as we think of ourselves, we pray the words from Romans. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. And then we think of those who we know who are isolated, who are living bowed down by despair. Let's ask God to show us how we can offer them the hand of hope and see transformation in their lives. And this is a prayer from Hebrews. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip us with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.